Hey guys, welcome to another Selling From Why podcast. This is your host, Andrew James. Today's episode is one I'm very, very excited about. It is one that has been a long time coming. Today, we are going to talk about HR, human capital management to be more specific, progressive HR techniques. Why do they matter? What the heck is human capital management? And how can you use and understand human capital management in your business process sales, your HR sales, your PEO sales to really make a difference, to differentiate yourself and to drive value back to your sales process. Once again, guys, I am your host, Andrew James. This is the Selling From Why podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And of course, all of this information can be found in greater detail on my book, Selling From Why. The second edition was released just a few weeks ago. Go on Amazon, search for Selling From Why, and it'll pop right up for you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and let's go ahead and get started. Let's start off this episode by understanding why it is that we want to talk about HCM or human capital management. You're probably going to hear me refer to it both ways. I might just shorten it to HCM as the podcast gets longer and longer. Why are we talking about HCM? Well, for many of you that are in the HRO, BPO, or PEO sales world, you're going to find that many times your final, final presentations turn into arguments over cost. This training is really here to help you present value outside of your standard payroll benefits administrative approach to selling those those solutions. So by using this HCM progressive proactive HR methods, you're going to be able to do things like improve your overall contract value at the end of the sale. You're going to be able to increase the value to the prospect. You're going to be able to create a huge, huge, significant competitive difference between yourself and a lot of the other salespeople out there, especially ones that aren't using HCM as a sales technique. You're certainly going to improve your relevance to clients, and we're definitely going to talk more about that as we go through this. And the last piece is that by using this type of sales method or this approach within your sales method, you're going to fill in a lot of process gaps that that present themselves during the HRO BPO process. So that's why we're doing this. To, to start out with understanding HCM, human capital management, let's just do the most fundamental thing I can think of, which is break it into what that, what that actually means. HCM, human capital management, three words. Human, in our example, obviously, and for the purposes of today's training, human represents your employees, every employee that works within a business. So it's really employment capital management. Capital is the value or the cost or, or financial reward assigned to those individuals, assigned to those employees. And management is your ability to dictate, direct, decide a course of action by working to influence it through a set of your standard tasks and processes, right? So when, when you put that together, what you actually get is HCM is, is the ability to define a set of practices related to people resource management. In other words, the ability to impact the value of a person's capital within a business or corporate structure such that the result is an increased realization of revenue to the business through those processes and applications. Mouthful, right? Really what it means if we're going to get as simple as possible is it's a way to get more value, more financial value from your employees. That's what human capital management is. But in order to do that, we have to focus on proactive HR methods. 
Now, this goes without saying that when you are dealing with a prospect and you begin talking to them about HCM, make sure that you are able to separate proactive HR from reactive HR. Reactive HR is the methods by which a company protects the business, protects the assets, make sure that they're not being sued, make sure that the employees aren't getting hurt on the job, make sure that taxes are being paid, the payroll is getting done on time. Those are your basic or reactive mechanisms assigned to human resources. HCM factors in the idea of proactive human resources, and that's what we're going to talk about. So in order to understand HCM, one of the first things that we really need to talk about is employee cost. How much does an employee cost an organization? And it seems like a very, very simple question. Here's the thing. It's not. It's actually an incredibly complex question. It's complex not just because every single business is going to be assigning a different cost to an employee, but it's a complex question because generally speaking, your business owners, your decision makers have absolutely no idea what it costs to be an employer. I'm going to say that again. Generally speaking, one in 10, one in 20 might be able to answer this question. Generally speaking, your business owners have no idea what it costs to be an employer. Now, if you don't know how much it costs for me to be an employer, how am I ever going to be able to decide if I'm doing a good job employing my people? I don't know how much it costs. I might be able to know what my top line revenue for my business is or my bottom line, and I might be able to know things like my salary, my payroll, my taxes, my benefit costs, but that is not the total cost of employment, and that's what we want to start by understanding. According to experts, your, your, your SHRM experts, your NAPIO experts, the annual cost of an employer, excuse me, the annual cost of an employee is between 1.75 and 2.75 times the base salary or base payroll of that employee. So in other words, if I have an employee that costs $100,000 for payroll, the actual cost, the realized employment cost of that employee, that individual, is between $175,000 and $275,000. That is huge. So what factors into that, that significant multiplier? Well, we talked about three of them already. Salary, payroll, pay. That's obviously the biggest chunk in most cases. Taxes. Taxes makes up a significant portion of the cost. Benefit. That's another huge piece. And I'm not just talking about healthcare. I'm talking about overall benefits packages that go into attracting and retaining talent. All three of those play a part in the cost of an employment. Now, what else plays a factor? Space. Physical space. In other words, if I have a building and I have to assign cubicles, office space, location, bathrooms to an employee, that is a cost. That real estate is a cost for that employee. Equipment. What if that employee needs a laptop? What if they need keyboards, office chairs, desks, paper, printers? What if it's a, a landscaping company? I need lawnmowers, hedge trimmers, uh, bucket trucks, so many different pieces of equipment that are needed for an employee to do their job. There's a hiring cost. There's an actual cost for me to bring that employee on in the first place. Uh, 
There's training and development costs that go into this. In other words, the cost that it's going to, I'm going to assign as a business to get that person up and running, that's time, that's infrastructure, that's paying someone else to potentially come into the business and train or paying someone else within the business to train and the opportunity cost that is lost by that person then having to do that job as opposed to doing the job I need them to do. There's a cost of leadership that's associated with, with realized employment cost, right? I can't just have an employee wandering around doing whatever they want. I need to hire someone else to manage that employee. That's an, an additional cost. And then last but not least is a bad hire, right? The cost of a bad hire. If I hire the wrong person, that is going to be incredibly costly to myself, to my business, as well as to the other employees. So when you actually look at it, there are countless costs that play a role in how I can realize the employment cost of an individual within my business. Now, once I understand that there's a huge cost to an employee, again, we're gonna use that idea of a $100,000 base salary actually costing the business $175,000. I have to recognize at what point do I start making money on my employee? And that's what I call the production possibility curve of employment. I'm going back to my very, very basic economics roots here from college years and years ago. But there's a production possibility curve. In other words, the amount of money I need that employee to bring into my business to exceed the costs I am putting into that employee. If I have a $100,000 base pay for an employee actually costing me $175,000, you guessed it, the math is e easy for us here. That employee doesn't start making money for my business until they hit $175,001. They've essentially netted a dollar value to my business. This, it, it, it is so incredibly crucial for business owners and yet it, it blows my mind to this day that so many business owners have absolutely no clue what it costs for them to be an employer. And because of that, they have no idea if an employee is truly valuable or not valuable. Now they might have things like quota or production metrics or production measurements, but what we're going to look at is having an idea of quota and production metrics and measurements does not actually help us define that net value of employment. It only gives us a benchmark as to where we're going to set our value at. So there's a lot more that goes into it than simply understanding metrics of, of, of productivity. When we look at what plays a role in impacting net value, there's a number of factors that go into the improvement or the impact of net value on an employee. The first, and probably no surprise here, is tenure. The tenure of an employee often plays a role in their value. This is the simplest and most obvious one to point to. If I hired someone on their very first day or looked at them a year later or 10 years after that, my hope would be that the employee who has been here 10 years is going to be more productive and does a better job than the person who is here on the first day or the person who's here after a year. That's not always true, right? We can have a bad employee and their production can slip or fall at times, but generally speaking, tenure plays a significant role in impacting net value. Training and development, not just job-specific training. All types of training and development can have a significant impact on net value. We're going to begin to touch on that as we talk about employee engagement, but training and development is another huge impact in net value. Resources, the tools and resources that allow employees to focus on their specific job responsibilities has an impact on net value. Benefits, 
Employee benefits, not just healthcare, all forms of employee benefits are going to play a role in impacting net value. That's another one that we're gonna to touch on when we get into employee engagement. Compensation. Interestingly enough, compensation plays a humongous, humongous role in net value, but not necessarily in productivity. It plays a significant role in net value because obviously it makes up 100% of the base of the multiplier. If I have someone who is, I'm paying $100,000 a year and they're actually costing my business $175,000 a year, the first 100% or $100,000 is the payroll. Compensation plays a tremendous role in the net value of an employee, but oftentimes only because it's such a large sum of money going out the door, not because it often impacts the actual value of that employee. The organization itself is going to play a role in impacting net value. So again, just to go back over those, tenure, training and development, resources or tools, benefits, compensation, organization, six different areas that play a role in impacting net value to an employee. Now here's, here's the kicker, guys. The single most important and biggest indicator of net value of an employee is none of those. It is instead employee engagement. The number one ability of a business to impact net value is employee engagement. So let's start there. Most of you have probably heard the term employee engagement before. Now, whether you've heard it because you have done trainings on human capital management, whether you've heard of it because your business actually does forms of employee engagement programs internally or externally with their clients, or whether you've just heard of it because you happen to read the news and you see this, this word, this term getting floated around a lot, doesn't matter. We're gonna start with a blank slate here. Employee engagement originated in, the, in probably 1990 as part of the Institute of Employment Studies. This was a, a, a organization that was really trying to measure or metric a model around manufacturing-based services within the United States and study the, the job satisfaction of employees at that time. Now, our country has come a long way. I hope, I'm assuming I'm speaking to people in the United States here. Our country has come a long way since 1990s. This study that the Institute of Employment Studies did around job satisfaction was dedicated to the manufacturing industry. Why is that significant? Well, it's significant because our country has changed from being manufacturing driven to having countless different types of jobs. We are not just manufacturing anymore. So the IES at the time in 1990 decided to shift the term away from job satisfaction to job engagement or employment engagement. And it's important that we recognize there is a huge difference between job happiness, job satisfaction, and job engagement. I can be very happy at work, I can be very satisfied with my job and not engaged. Simultaneously, I can be incredibly engaged and not necessarily happy at work. Doesn't always happen, but it can happen. So there's been so many changes in employment landscape that have tr transitioned the power of employment out of the hands of the employer and into those of the employee that engagement became the new terminology or the new metric to measuring how valuable an employee could be. 
Most recently, we've seen an incredible shift in multi-generational workforces within many different similar sectors of the job uh, of the of the workforce that's given rise to the need for differing aspects of employee engagement or different ways of approaching human capital management. For instance, I would manage a 22-year-old male at my workforce differently than I would want to manage a 45 or a 55-year-old male at my workforce. Why is that? Well, because they are different in generations, they have different wants, different desires, different needs, different ways of wanting to be rewarded. Now, that's probably true across all individuals, but it is very, very true across multi-generational workforces. This time, like no other in the United States past, we have countless generations within one workforce, within individual or, or unified sectors of the workforce. That's really, really important. Many, many leaders, many companies are hiring people from totally different demographics, age, uh, um, nationality, religion. We need to have HR or human capital management to be able to tackle all of the needs of those different individuals. And that is why employee engagement plays a huge role. Now, when I get asked by a lot of companies, well, why is employee engagement so incredibly important? What makes it so such a big deal to have engaged employees? And that, what does that have anything to do with the value of my employees? I'm going to just list off a couple stats here. Within an engaged workforce, absenteeism decreases by 37%. Within an engaged workforce, those that are in the high turnover organizations the turnover decreases by 25%. Low turnover organizations or low turnover industries, the turnover decreases by 65%. This is the difference between engaged and non-engaged employees. Shrinkage or theft decreases by 28%. Safety incidents, and I love this one, decrease by almost 50%. 48% decrease in safety incidents by having engaged employees. 41% decrease in the quality uh, or excuse me, the, the quality issues associated with manufacturing products. In other words, I have a 41% greater quality in my, in my uh, products that are being distributed or sold. My customers report a 10% increase in satisfaction. My productivity increases by 21%. My profitability, and here's the big one, my profitability as an organization with engaged employees increases 22%. Nothing impacts net value of employees within any organization like engagement. And this is an incredibly, incredibly important thing for you to understand. As salespeople selling into business processing, HR outsourcing, PEO, you have an ownership of understanding this. Companies will ask you all the time, help me save money on my benefits, help me save money on my payroll. If you can impact employee engagement, you are going to be able to dramatically increase the profitability, the revenue, the earnings of an organization. That is so much more important to a business owner than if you can save them a few thousand dollars a year on their, on their payroll or save them 20 grand on their healthcare. If you can show them that you can actually make a difference to their productivity and profitability, that is something that they are going to latch onto. That's what makes this such an incredibly important thing to understand about your sales process. 
It's also the hardest thing to understand and sell within the sales process for a lot of reasons, one of which is business owners are incredibly skeptical. They're skeptical that anything can be done about this or they're skeptical that you can do anything about this. So we're going to dive in a little bit more in depth as to what I mean when we're talking about that. When you're talking to a business owner and you begin approaching the idea of engagement, human capital management within their business, it's important that you're able to understand some of the statistics, right? It's important that you be able to talk about having a higher profitability and productivity, having a lower turnover, having more profitability within operating margins, which in case you're curious, it's actually three times more profitable within operating margins for those companies that have engaged employees. But what is the most important statistic to understand here is only 30% of U.S. employees are engaged in their job. Once again, only 30% of U.S. employees are engaged in their job. Now, this doesn't mean that 30% of companies have engaged employees. 30% of employees in the workforce are engaged at their job, one in three. So what are the rest of them? Well, if 30% are engaged, 51% are disengaged, and 19% are actively disengaged. Let's talk about those definitions, what that actually means. And, and for those of you that are listening to this and you're thinking, well, where are these numbers coming from? These are Gallup survey statistics that were done in 2017, 2018. Gallup does employment engagement surveys every year I think they have for probably 20 years so feel free to to jump online google the Gallup surveys around employee engagement all of these numbers will show up there's plenty of graphs infographs all kinds of things that you can use to learn about this for your presentations and for your uh, leave behinds potentially for prospects so if 30% of employees are engaged 51% are disengaged what is the definition of a disengaged employee so let's start there a disengaged employee is an employee who is doing only what it takes to get by. A disengaged employee is someone who is not goal-oriented, not motivated or driven at work. The tendency for a disengaged employee is to float under the radar and just make sure that they keep their job. Where I'm, I'm speaking mostly to salespeople here, so for those of you in sales, this will be the people who are just doing enough. If, if you have an activity metrics that say you have to make 50 calls a week, these are the people who are making 50 calls. Or if they think they can do it, they'll make 40 calls. If there is an expectation of selling $2,000, they'll sell $1,800. Just enough to fly under the radar so that they don't lose their job. But these are not engaged individuals. Engaged individuals have an entirely different portfolio to them that we'll get into shortly. However, your disengaged employees are not the problem. It's your actively disengaged employees that are the problem. 19% of employees within the United States are actively disengaged. What does that mean? An actively disengaged employee is a cancer to your company. We've all seen them, we've all had them, we all know them. These are the people when we're getting our morning coffee, they're standing there at the, at the watering hole within the office and they are complaining, just upset, frustrated. They are constantly bad-mouthing management. They are, they are late on projects. These are the people that show up late to meetings. They, are, they complain. They, they call HR over frivolous issues. Those are your actively disengaged employees. Now, actively disengaged employees are incredibly problematic within an organization because they bring down the engagement of all of the other employees within the organization. So, 
as a company, you want to make sure that you are removing actively disengaged employees from the workforce while attempting to create more engaged employees through engagement surveys, engagement models, engagement programs to engage those that are disengaged. So we want to eliminate actively disengaged employees. We want to get them out of the job while simultaneously engaging the disengaged. That is the business model that we're attempting to employ. That's what you really want to be talking about with your business owner. Now, for again, most of those of you that are listening, the question now becomes, well, how in the heck do we do that? In order to understand how engagement works within the workforce, we have to look at what defines an engaged employee, right? We have to understand what does an engaged employee look like? I am willing to bet that anybody who's listening to this podcast can look around their office, or if you're in leadership or you're a sales manager, you can look at your sales team and say, I know that that person is engaged. This isn't just someone who's coming in in a great mood. As I said earlier, people who are incredibly happy at work are not necessarily engaged. They can absolutely be disengaged employees. I would argue they can't be the actively disengaged. They can't be the cancerous tumors of the office, but you can have disengaged employees who are very happy at their job. They're just getting by. They're, con they're content. They're, they're cheerful about that. Engaged employees look very, very different. An engaged employee is often someone who is going to show up for work early. They are going to be the employees who work through lunch breaks. They are going to stay late. They are going to be the go-getters. These are the people who tend to, if you give them a quota of 100 calls in a day, they're going to do 120, 130. Engaged employees are your top performers almost without question because they are engaged. So what does engagement look like within an organization when you start looking at it that way? Engaged individuals are performers. Engaged individuals are those that are responsible for increasing the revenue for the organization. These are people who exceed expectations, exceed quota. If you're a manufacturer, these are the individuals who are pumping out 25% more widgets or more bent material or, or more pieces of metal or scrap iron on, on a daily basis. These are people who are just getting the job done better than anybody else around them. There's a lot that a business can do to aid in the engagement of employees. There's a lot of elements that go into engagement. So you have to understand what those elements are in order to understand how are we going to impact engagement for those employees that are disengaged, right? We want to leave the engaged employees alone. Let them be engaged. Let them be go-getters. We want to engage the disengaged employees and we want to eliminate the very or actively disengaged employees. The first aspect of improving or working on engagement within an organization comes down to leadership. Leadership is the most crucial aspect of engaging your employees. Why is this? The answer is simple. It's because leadership, the, the leader, the manager is going to be the direct line of sight to any program that you set up that has engagement as part of it. The leader is going to be communicating. The leader is going to be training and developing. The leader is going to be responsible for discipline and rewards. Direct leadership is the most important aspect of engagement. Second is communication as we just alluded to. Job expectations, responsibilities, accountability, company-wide communication. Communication is huge. Companies that have great communication often have high levels of engagement. Think about that. If I'm an employee, 
I want to know that my that my contribution matters. I want to know that my opinion counts. I want to know that my message, my voice is being heard within the organization. That comes down to communication from the bottom up to the top as well as top-down communication. Culture. Definitely not a surprise here. Culture. Does the company have a culture that allows individuals to be successful? Having a the correct company culture, and this is the key word here, the right company culture is a huge aspect of engagement. Recognition. What ways is, do the employees get recognized? Is there feedback on their performance? A lot of people think of recognition as being positive, but recognition doesn't always need to be positive. Recognition can be negative, but nonetheless, it is recognition. It is the ability to sit down with employees and recognize their what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. Performance feedback is a huge aspect of recognition. Professional growth. Employee development and training within the organization is a huge aspect of professional growth, which plays into engagement. Performance, accountability, do the employees know they've been successful and how is it measured? Vision, values, does the company have a corporate vision and value statement that mirrors those of the employees? I want to know I work for a company in which I believe in their vision and values, not simply working for a corporation that values money or assets. Those are huge elements of engagement and those are important to know as you're beginning this idea of understanding how am I going to change or mold the engagement of my organization. So if I want to improve that engagement, right? I understand the elements of engagement, but if I want to improve that engagement, a lot of you are asking the question, well, what does my company do that improves engagement? I realize that I'm speaking to potentially a very, very wide audience right now. So I cannot say that your company does exactly these pieces and these are responsible for improving engagement. I can say that generally speaking, PEOs, BPOs, HROs offer some aspects of what I'm about to mention in terms of ways they can improve the engagement for their clients and their prospects. The first, engagement survey. Very, very simple. By asking, simply asking the employees about their engagement or their levels of engagement, you actually improve engagement. It's like the question, are you okay? Simply being asked, are you okay, by someone who seems to genuinely care can take us out of our funk, get us in a better mood. That's the idea of an engagement survey. We're asking the employees, are you engaged? Now, we're obviously not asking that specific question. Most engagement surveys have between 13 and 25 questions on them that are tied directly into those elements we talked about, leadership, culture, communication, rewards and recognition, professional growth, all of those pieces. But by starting out, by getting the engagement survey going, we are already beginning to boost engagement within an organization. The employees are looking around going, hey, maybe these guys care. They asked us about this. They're asking about how we feel. Maybe they care. Employee development and learning, huge, huge aspect of engagement. Development, training programs, even if they are not within the specific business uh, process that that employee might be, might be tied to, giving them an opportunity to develop, to learn, to become better individuals, better business people, huge aspect of employee engagement. Leadership development. This is just, just the biggest thing I can think of right now, guys. For those of you that are asking about employee engagement, your leadership development is the biggest thing we can talk about. It is number one in terms of the element of employee, employee engagement. Leadership is number one. It is also the number one reason why individuals leave their company. 
Most employees leave their company because of their manager. Leadership development, leadership training, management development is a huge, huge aspect of improving engagement. Performance management. Performance management is, is a big piece of this as well. Most PEOs, most HROs and BPOs have some element of a performance management process. Recruiting and onboarding. You can't, you can't have a great company if you don't start by hiring great people. Hiring people that are engaged is a really, really big aspect and a big piece to improving engagement. But there's another piece to this. When, when uh, measurements were done on when an employee is most engaged within an organization, you probably guessed it, it's within the first six months of starting a job. Within those first six months, employees are incredibly engaged. That engagement tends to decrease as the employee works for a company longer and longer. So onboarding programs and that continuous cycle of managing and training and developing employees can maintain higher levels of engagement. The next few areas that a business can improve their engagement or ways that they can improve engagement are going to be a little bit simpler and not necessarily as obvious in terms of engagement. So you have to do a little bit more thinking about them to understand their, their role. So one is customized employees' policies, customized workplace policies. Why is that something that's going to improve engagement? A large part of in having an engaged employee comes down to them knowing what their role is within a business, knowing what their responsibilities are. So having policies in place that actually outline that is a, is a really big way of helping to improve the engagement. The same goes with job description creation. So many companies don't have job descriptions, but a job description is a great way of helping ensure that an employee understands what their role is within an organization. Corporate ethics programs. This goes into how many employees at different levels within the organization as well as different ages or demographics focus on what they want out of their employer. A corporate ethics program is something that definitely plays a role in engagement because many employees want to be comfortable knowing that they're working for a business that has the same kind of values and ideals that they themselves have. Uh, many of uh, those of you that are listening, many of you that are in those HR PEO solutions companies are going to have HR consulting solutions as part of your, as part of your service. And this could be anything from your day-to-day -day backup to true proactive HR support and solutions consulting. That is a huge, huge area that, that you have available to you. And I would recommend that all of you figure out who within your organization can help in that arena and make sure that you have them on speed dial when you're dealing with a especially your larger, more complex business prospects. And last but not least is actually the employee portal. Having an employee portal can improve the engagement of employees. It can also lessen the amount of time and energy that is being used by administrative staff, as well as the amount of time that employees are spending at work doing non-revenue generating aspects of their day-to-day their -day business Having an employee portal allows for greater communication, it allows for greater messaging, especially if the employee portal is app-based or ties to a person's cell phone. That's another great way of aiding in communication, improving culture. There's so much that can be done with the modern HRIS as well as employment portals that, that it just really helps to paint a great picture for the business. So those are some ways that, that improving engagement occurs. Before we move on to the last step, which is how to sell engagement or how to position it and present it, I want to just do a quick recap of what we've discussed. Human capital management or HCM 
is a segment or a part of overall HR within a business. The first being reactive, the second being proactive or progressive HR. Human capital management is a part of that progressive human resource techniques. Its sole purpose or the sole goal of HCM human capital management is to maximize the value of an employee within an organization. In order to decide when we have gotten the most out of an employee or if we need to improve the value of an employee, we need to understand first how much does it cost to be an employer and then decide where our equilibrium, where our tipping point is between cost and value. At what point does an employee stop becoming a cost and start delivering a financial value back to us as the employer? Now, there are countless ways that engagement is impacted within a workforce, but really the number one or the largest component of engagement comes down to leadership. And that is one of the biggest areas that an employer can impact. From there, it goes into communication, then culture, recognition, professional growth, performance and accountability, and last but not least, vision and values. For those of you listening in this, in, in this arena, in this PEO, HRO arena, the ways to improve engagement are countless. But they start off by simply finding out if employee engagement is, is a big deal, if it needs to be improved by doing an engagement survey. Just a hint, employee engagement can always be improved. Productivity can always be boosted within an organization. So it's not really an, a question of if, it's just let's get started on an engagement survey. You can improve engagement through employee development, training programs, leadership development, performance management, recruiting and onboarding, customer, or excuse me, customized policies, job description creation, the list goes on and on and on, and it's probably going to be individualized by each of your companies. It takes time to learn these, but by all means, learn more about the idea of engagement and the programs that your specific company offers your prospects and your clients to improve the engagement of their employees. This is huge, guys. When we start talking about the why sales process, when we start talking about the reasons why a business owner would want to work with us, offering them a payroll program, offering them a better benefits program, or offering them uh, an HR solution that's gonna handle their payroll and time and attendance, these are all just elements, just little services or solutions or parts of our overall program that's designed to help them achieve their goals and dreams. Nothing is going to have a larger impact on the goals and dreams of a business owner like engagement or engaging their employees well. And that is why it behooves you to understand this topic in full. What I've presented today is really just a cursory glance. There are, as I've said, so many articles out there, so many newspapers, so many magazines that have published and talked about employee engagement for years and years and years. Gallup is a great go-to for this. Go on the Gallup website or even just Google Gallup 2018 engagement survey and all kinds of information will pop up. This is something you need to really understand. So I just want to make sure that all of you are getting that, that opportunity to go back in and understand this. The big, biggest, biggest impact that engagement is going to have on an organization is the revenue, productivity, and profitability of that business. 22 to 25% increase in profitability within organizations that have engaged work, workers. 
Why is that? It's because they are more likely to work longer, stay later, skip breaks, be healthier, not get hurt, not steal, bring new ideas to the workforce, want to be promoted. These are people who, when we look around the office, are the workers, they're the dedicated ones, the people that are here early in the morning and stay late at night. That's why we want engaged workers. And it's those employees that are really setting the standard and the bar for, for exceptional within the workforce. That's how you want to present that to the business owner, which is what we're going to go into next, which is how do you sell engagement? Selling engagement is a very, very tricky aspect of your job in, in the HRO and PEO industry. Very, very tricky. And here's why. There's going to be a couple of different types of business owners or decision makers that you're going to want to meet with. Many of them are going to balk at the idea of progressive or proactive HR, and they're certainly going to balk at the idea of human capital management and engagement. It's not because they don't understand it. It's not because they don't believe in it. It's simply because they either don't have the familiarity with it, or they've tried to do it in the past and they haven't gotten anywhere with it. Now, the first thing to understand is that any business can be a prospect for human capital management. There's not an employee count that needs to be determined. However, it is interesting to know that those companies that have the highest level of engagement are companies who have between 10 and 15 employees. Those organizations have the highest level of engagement within the United States. Once you grow past 15 employees, guess what? Engagement begins to decrease, especially if you get into those companies that have 40, 50, 60 employees engagement is going to be pretty low. It's an important conversation to have. The other reason it's going to be tricky is you're going to have a lot of decision makers who are going to think happiness or satisfaction when you talk about engagement. They're not going to realize that there is a, a very, very vast difference between being happy at work, satisfied at work, and being engaged at work. So in order to sell engagement, in order to, pre to present engagement, you really have to introduce it very, very cautiously to your business owner. You have to introduce it as an idea. And the moment you introduce the concept, you have to admit that you have absolutely no idea how you are going to help engage their employees. Now that sounds like it's an absolute load of you know what. I know it does. I really do, guys. But that is exactly how you have to present it. When you are presenting the idea of employee engagement or proactive, progressive HR techniques to your business owner, you have to introduce it and say, I don't know what areas we're going to be able to impact when we talk about subjects like this. And that's why I want to learn more about your business. You are introducing that idea in the very, very first step in your very initial meeting with your prospect, with your decision maker, with your business owner. Mr. and Mrs. Business Owner, Mr. and Mrs. Decision Maker, we do so much for companies like yours. One of the great things we do is we help aid in the productivity and profitability of your business. You're going to get a look from them that's like, what? How are you ever going to do that? We do that by helping engage your employees, by bringing proactive, productive HR techniques to your business that are going to demonstrate ways that we can improve the profitability and productivity of each of your employees. As a business owner, it is crucial, absolutely crucial to you that you understand how much an employee costs your organization, but just as crucial is what kind of value can your employees bring. 
I don't know the answer to this. I don't know enough about your business. We've been sitting here for 20, 30 minutes. This is our very first meeting. Your business has been around for 20 or 30 years. How can I possibly be able to answer this for you now? But what I do wanna do is learn more about your business so I can spend time researching and understanding what you guys are doing today so that I can potentially involve the right people to be able to bring ideas of engagement and product, productivity and profitability to your business by engaging your employees. That's what I want to do here with you. Now that's a conversation that's going to get every business owner interested because you're not talking about payroll. You're not talking about employee handbooks. You're not talking about what we do. You're talking about why it matters to them. And especially if you've been able to isolate the goals and dreams and ambitions of that business owner, being able to transition from the idea of employee engagement to their goal of being the best law firm in town, being the greatest, most artful and art-inspiring landscaper in the Midwest, or, or, or having the best manufacturer in Southern California, whatever those dreams are, they are going to realize that the only way they get there is with their people. And employee engagement and human capital management is about getting their people on board with them, believing in their causes, believing in their why, so that they are all rowing the same direction and making everything a unified accomplishment. That's what's beautiful about the idea of human capital management. You have to use this as a way of inspiring your business owner, your prospect, your decision maker. Now, in order to actually be able to talk about human capital management, you're going to need to get someone else to do that job for you. I can tell you right now, the best salespeople involve professionals in those arenas. You do not want to spend your time talking about the details of human capital management. You want to involve a SME, a subject matter expert. Again, for most of you in the PEO space and HRO space, you are going to have people who are in your organization who are dedicated to HR, proactive, progressive HR and employee engagement. Get them involved with your organization. Get them involved with your prospect. Let them do the heavy lifting for you. But gather that information as you're going through the sales process. Speak to the HR person on staff. Find out what they're doing for employee engagement. Talk to leadership within the organization. Is there leadership development? What are their thoughts on culture? You need to start asking these questions so that you can present it to your subject matter expert and then give them the rein. Hand it over to them, get them a meeting with the HR person, with the business owner, with the CFO, whoever it is you're meeting with. Let them do that heavy lifting for you. You're going to get so much inspiration from that person with your prospect that by the time you get to your proposal, they're going to be jumping for joy and cannot wait for you to get started on some of the ideas that your SME has brought to the table, your subject matter expert. Now, guys, I, I really appreciate all of you listening into this podcast. As I've said in the past, it has been a long time coming. We should have brought this up ages and ages ago, but I'm so happy that we finally got to do it. I will be publishing a short podcast over the weekend. I'm going to start doing what I'm going to call micro podcasts. I wish I came up with the idea myself, but of course, like all my great ideas, I stole them from someone else. But my idea is going to be releasing short three to five minute podcasts during the week so that those of you that are looking for just a quick hit, a quick piece of knowledge or inspiration on sales, or even maybe just a quick story about a salesperson or a business that you can use in your day-to-day -day sales efforts, I'm gonna start trying to release those for you guys. 
And I really hope that that brings a little bit of excitement and a little bit more use to some of my information here that I'm sharing with you. Guys, thank you once again for listening. I really appreciate the dedication to the Selling From Why podcast. I love your feedback. So as always, feel free to hit me back up in the comments. Send me emails. Uh, I, I love getting that feedback from you guys. Please like and subscribe. And as always, buy my book, Selling From Why. It's on Amazon right now. I love it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next week.